So when you um, really understand what you what you want, what you most fully want, um, practice gets uh, a lot of uh, focus to it, you get, and you just keep checking out: Is this what I want? Is this what I want? Uh, how how good is this? Is this really doing what I want? It's getting me taking me to where I, where I want to go. <laughs> what I want to be, and so on. Mm. And uh, of course there are many, many interesting places to go in the mind, the feelings, the planet, thinking, which are pleasant feelings, interesting energy runs up, moves around. Um, we feel motivated by it. some terrible places to go. Feel shot away, ragged, tattered, ghastly, sinking. Uh, so, just as you, know, you begin to experience the ups and downs of perceptions and feelings, you want to want to get out. Go away from this. <laughs> this is something other than this. <laughs> is there a place where this stuff settles down, you know, or it's no longer overwhelming or capturing? Or it's just a, a life on the ocean waves. You get a bit sick after a while. There's probably a good pun I could put in there about contemplating one's navel. <laughs> but, uh, that's too much effort. <laughs> but in contemplating one's navel, it is like actually the navel is the center of the world. Uh, and uh, this, anyway, we're going to get that, that hunch, the intuition, it's something about where's the center, where's the constant, where's the where you already are. You know, this kind of realization where actually, rather than where I'm going to be or what I'm going to make, where I'm going to go, where, where am I? You know, could 
it must be somewhere about that, mustn't it? And so this, uh, for people who have that intuition growing in them, there's this uh, spiritual quest, a spiritual path, and the Buddha said within this, those who seek this, there is the deathless, there is the constant, the unchanging, the unborn, the unconditioned, the free from bonds, the refuge, the island, safe, secure. So he gives a lot of metaphors saying something that's actually steady, safe, secure, constant, a place you can go to, a refuge, uh, and from change, from birth, death, from comings and goings, from ups and downs. Uh, Is this what you want? If it's what you want, then this can help you. This teaching can help you. Sometimes we don't, we get confused. But what we want, we think, we seek constancy in that which is inconstant. We seek uh, something we can hold on to in that which we can't hold on to. Some position, some feeling, some mood, some situation, some something, you know. Um, and this is often because we just, when you're thrown around, you think, well, it's made me constant, but it's better than that one. <laughs> it's a sort of more uplifting or steady or secure than that. So we we tend to seek the best option when the mind is not uh, uh, loses skill or loses balance. It's like when you're when you're falling out of a falling through the air, you just grab hold of any old thing. Better than just complete collapse. So you, something that will hold you for a little while is better than nothing. Uh, so, but then in training, we're trying to encourage the mind to to find a you know a place which you can go to that's steady. So even when the, the rough stuff happens and the waves happen, something you know, wait a minute, no, you don't have to grab onto this and that. There's something that's always here, actually. If one has the, the uh, you know, just in remembering that, there's a refuge you can go to. I think this is really important to recognize it's not far away. So with Buddha, Dhamma Sangha is a refuge. Buddha, recognizing the awakened one, the one who who is able to witness, be aware of things. Dhamma, the refuge, the fact that things come and go and change. And if one's direct, present in the moment, you know, then we find a refuge there. You refuge in the timeless. Because of course, uh, when one loses one's balance, we get on the skids, then we're moving towards somewhere else. And we try to find somewhere else we could go to. So a lot of the, the, the uh, encouragement in the practice is to just to, to be where, you are, where we already are. Uh, and to recognize that the level of feelings and moods and things like that are not really where we are, things are happening to us. Things that move and change and rise and, and, and flood, you know, actually, there are things that happen to you. And there's a center. 
that can witness and know that. This is nothing new, really. It's just an encouragement. Because, of course, the, the uh, things that, that floods that happen, a lot of... Uh, uh, promise and fear and worry they touch things off in us that, that not the things themselves but our, our responses become extremely compelling uh, it's not so much the sights or sounds or thoughts but the fear and the pain and the excitement and the, all that you know that kind of running of energy that we so much associate with this is what I am, this is where I am I'm in this, that, that, that gives me the feeling of being me and that kind of flood of uh, fear which we get familiar with, we've got these patterns so you get, you know, stuff triggers off particular patterns because the patterns are familiar Oh, yeah, it's me again, you know. Because what's familiar becomes ourself. So it's, even it's unpleasant, it's familiar. And because it's familiar, I think, well, that's, that's more constant. <laughs> so this kind of idea of, of, of myself as constant is a, is a real uh, problem. Yeah. Because myself is what you know, things that make me me are, are patterns really, patterns of response. Typical. This is the way I act. Patterns of feeling, you know, or you just just the behaviour patterns, but also just the sense of being patterned. You know, of having a particular familiar rush or flood. Even when it's uh, so, in the sense of our bodies, give us a sense of that. What is a body? When you you know, when you sense it, when you feel it, it's a particular pattern of warmth and sensations and pains and that and sense. Oh, that's me. That's the me bit. Here I am. That's me. All right. I'm in here. Why are you in there? <laughs> How did you get in there? <laughs> How did, you, how did you get in there? How did you make that happen? Yeah. So we we kind of look at it. Well, it happens, but it doesn't mean that there's somebody in it. It's just something. That's, it's a pattern that's happening. But I've never known anybody be in a body. You know, open them up. There's nobody in there. And they're produced by what? By life forces, by elements, by nerves, endings, by hormones, by chemicals, by this and the other. That's what's happening. You know, you, something touches the body and a particular charge runs through it. Is that, did you do that? How did you get to be so clever? To do all that? You must be really busy in there doing all that. Happens by itself, doesn't it? So it's a kind of neurological, biological, hormonal, chemical thing that's doing this stuff. And you sense that. But it's that. And yet yeah, we can get very 
excited by the, the charge, the, the rush of, of uh, pleasure, physical pleasure, possibilities of more physical pleasure. We can get miserable about physical displeasure, discomfort, feeling flat, feeling sick, feeling tired. Oh, me, here I am, oh, yuck. <laughs> I want to be, yay, yippee, zip, bang, that's it. What would it be? <laughs> They've <even> known anybody <laughs> be that way forever. Or isn't it just a matter of these are the waves that we all go through? And then, yeah. So maybe we think, oh yeah. But then we also even more closely, we, we tend to associate ourselves with the, the mood, the, the mind in it, or the heart energy, heart patterning. in really gripping stuff, isn't it? Depression. Oh, never get out of this, sick, fed up, poor life, been a waste of time, hopeless, useless, pathetic. Oh, in there, oh, yeah. It's me, and I've always been this way. <laughs> always will be this way. I had a little lucky break the other day, but basically it was just an illusion. Really, this is the truth. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? It's so, so gripping. Or we want to be the happy me. Bright, positive, confident, happy me. You know, we get flushes of that. That's what we seek. We want to be like that all the time. I don't mind having modulations of happiness from ecstasy down to just mild contentment. I can probably handle that amount of variation, but please nothing below the, the uh, going in the minus figures. Have you ever known anybody be continuing, be tiring, wouldn't it be ecstatic all the time? <laughs> but we very much associate particular, you know, both uh, the quality of, of heart energy becomes extremely significant and important for us. This is where I am, this is what's happening to me, this is how I am. This is the truth of how I am. And then the particular um, you know, behaviors in that, there's that mood again, there's the overwhelm. Yeah. Uh, that's me, my stuff, stuck. So these are all patterns. They're all, everybody has these patterns going on. Have you seen anybody in those things? Did you create them? And you say, now let me be happy. Now I'm at, you know, this is how I do it. You know, bing, bing, bing. This always arises through, you know, you get happy through generating or doing particular things that, that bring around a particular kind of effect physical happiness, mental happiness. And you can get quite good at that. In meditation, you can actually develop a skill to make yourself feel happy. Or calm. But still, it's not, you know, it's not what you are, or yourself, or something that's constant. You have to work really hard at it, actually been flogging my guts out trying to be happy for years 
There's people here suffering from ruptured knees who are trying to be happy all the time. Have a sense of calm and contentment and refined kosher Buddhist happiness. It's tough, it's hard work. <laughs> Uh, these kind of patterns that we experience, and then is there a thing after you know when you've seen the, the smoke of these things, you know the smoke fumes, the ups and downs, you know. Okay, this stuff has to happen, but do I really want to be making a big project out of out of finding, seeking, you know, placing my hopes on it? You know, it's like bodies have to happen, moods and emotions and things have to happen, but does one really want to make this the big life goal? Happiness is inevitable, and unhappiness is inevitable. <laughs> Sooner or later, it's like that. So part of our um, practice is, is just through, through handling some of this stuff, focusing on it, calming it, steadying it, lifting it, deflecting it, changing it, bearing with it, you know, really working with the patternings of the body and the mind, you know, being able to, to generate some calm, some steadiness, being able to resist or bear with the, un- the pleasant, the painful, the dispiriting, you get some sense of having a, a different center. You're actually responding to and, and working with the patterning rather than just identifying with it. That's something, you know, so you, where your center starts to shift much more towards intention, volition, intent, means the general sense of application, um, sense of how, how we apply ourselves. It, was just, it doesn't mean necessarily an intense amount of effort. It means the sense of where, where you apply yourself. Like, do you listen to that or do you just skip over it? Do you hold yourself steadily or do you drop it? You know? So just knowing intent is something that's a matter of... Something that really gathers you together. You get gathered around intent. And uh, it, it's like a, a core quality. And in meditation and refuge uh, practices, there's a lot made of this, just bringing up one's intent, take refuge, be present, ground yourself, wake up, let things change. Mm -hmm. And manifesting that internally and externally, you have a retreat here. So it's like this, and this really ground oneself in that. You have a Sangha refuge, which in a way represents the path, the human element, takes it onto the manifest plane, beings, people, me being a person, us being people in a, in a peopled planet, and making it a refuge out of it. Which means we, we recognize and we enhance the quality of intent in each other sense of uh, steadiness or patience or kindness you know. 
They're that which, which supports this uh, refuge quality, the focusing the quality of intent and uh, steadying it, taking us to a place which is more steady and constant. Because, of course, your in- intent uh, is normally very much uh, subject to feelings and perceptions, the basic patterning stuff. Feeling is the quality of pleasure or pain. So pleasant stuff or more, painful stuff, no, back off. Perceptions, this is important, this is not important. This is what I want, this is good, this is bad, this is best, this is always kind of interpretations, impressions, memories, um, fantasies, ideas of the future, the past, the kind of stuff of the mind. And our intent gets very much moved and focused on that, doesn't it? So any time where we are right now, we can always have a perception of what it should be or what it could be, uh, perceptions of other places, perceptions of ourselves, perceptions of other people, and we get very much affected by that. The thing you can't get a perception of is the most important place. Yeah. So you work with perceptions until you recognize and you're no longer, your intent is no longer stuck on perception because you know how to bring one up, put one down, moderate it. You know how to bring up perception of Buddha, bring it up, make it large in the mind, dwell in it, relinquish it. You know how to bring up perception of the breathing, stay with that, the impressions, the senses of that, focus on that, bring it up, make it large, refine it, calm it, smooth it, let go of it. And uh, you see how the this skill, particularly when you're working with uh, uh, the things that hinder us, agitate us, you get the perceptions of uh, that which is uh, creates passion or lust. So you work with that. You know, what is this, What's happening? I'm being pulled. I'm being dragged around. Is this really what I want to be? So you just you counteract it. Yeah. You disband that perception. Hmm. Perceptions are things that we, we are frightened of or fearful of. Hmm. You contemplate those. Hmm. Death. You're doing a lot of maranusati, death, or unattractiveness of the body. You contemplate that till your mind is no longer thrown into retracting or curling up or running away or skipping it, just really holding the mind. So you challenge the the way the perceptions move us. And in, in, uh, in our lives, generally, of course, the most perceptual stuff is about more on the psychological level we get affected by. You know, impressions of whether we feel we're doing well, not so well, whether we're liked, not liked. Um, and all kinds of things about uh, where we could be or go, what we are. 
So very often in, in retreat you get these uh, stuff coming up, which is what you're going to do after retreat, what you, can do, what you could be doing somewhere else. What you, and so on. wow, is this really going to, you know, take you anywhere apart from around the merry-go-round? Things happen. It's inevitable. Things will <laughs> Why do we have to keep, you know, running into it? All of us have this realm of time. You know? So this has been a significant, in some ways, time for me. This, this is a, this is a, in, on paper, I'm supposed to be going away for a year. All these bits of paper telling me I'm going somewhere. <laughs> Somebody's going somewhere. A name is going somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, you can go. But actually, you know, who's going anywhere? Wherever you go, it'll be perceptions, feelings, sensations, the same as before. It's really interesting to to contemplate that because it it doesn't really you know if you say you're looking forward to that so well, I can't say that no are you look, not looking forward to it well I wouldn't say that I just don't I don't tend to look forward <laughs> I find looking forward is 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 a habit of you know is um is a painful habit I don't look forward. I look, try to look centre, you know, not, not backward, not forward, but look centre. And uh, is it, is it, it's quite useful to see the, the test. He's trying to get a visa for Australia, and they sent off this form. And they they said, well, you know, they sent me back a letter saying you've got to have these guarantees and all that and the other. So I sent, got all the stuff together and sent it off again and wait. And about five or six days just. And then I thought, well, what if I don't get this visa? Oh, that would be a relief. (laughs) 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 And I won't have to go anywhere. (laughs) I won't have to do all that stuff, you know, stick this body in a metal tube, throw it up in the air at several hundreds of miles an hour, get jet lag. Get woozy, land somewhere else, totter, you know. Oh, nice to not have to do that. And uh, so that's fine. I can just, it'd be more open ended then. I could just kind of wander off somewhere or stay where I am. It's fine. Then I thought, well, they may take so long in doing it that I want to get my passport back or I better even go to America. I'm supposed to be teaching retreat. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I won't have to go and teach retreat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, it's really nice to see that sense of, of whatever, as long as it's not a perception, I don't mind. <laughs> you know, staying here is okay, as long as it's not a perception of, well, I know you're staying at Chithurst, this means this and that, and you've got to do this, and you have to be there, and be this, and you are that, and you're not this, and you've got to do that. Oh, oh dear. But being here is fine. But being in a perception is not fine, however good the perception is. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's riddled with feeling and with possibilities and with fears and with things that should be done 
and things that could happen and all that. It's all that kind of effective wobble stuff. And who wants any more of it, you know? Is there enough going on already? Actually, yeah. But you know how it is, you know, in the, as long as the mind isn't, isn't, isn't stable, then we think, well, this perception is better than that one, you know. So we choose something that's, we tend to go on to the, to the, into the casino, as it were, perception casino, put everything you've got on. <laughs> This is the this is the habit of the mind, yeah. because it doesn't know, hasn't really found its centre, or stayed in its centre, or it found it for a while and it loses it. It's a Ouija, this ignorance sweeps over, and we we were all right, and then we we're, we're thrown. And it's good to understand that when this being thrown, and not to either you know follow it or or really feel too miserable about it. Okay, wow, that was a throw, wasn't it? How did you get here? You know, really believed in that one. It shows, it points to, you know, where the really strong tendencies are, the, the strong, uh, where we feel very weak, where we feel rattled, the place where we get squeezed. You know, oh, I've got to get, I want to you know, help, and just grab hold of any old thing, to get me out of this place. You know, where do we get squeezed, where do we feel rattled, where do we feel thrown? This is very important. To, to recognize those, those forms, those perceptions that, that do that to us. Mm-hmm. When you get wound up, and then you're really starting to, to look in, in some specific detail at the liberation path. Some ways in general, the path is simple, just be where you are, you know, <laughs> and recognize you're not there, or <laughs> well, there's nobody there. This is nice, isn't it? You know, sort of sounds like here I am sounding finally like a non like Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> <laughs> I finally made it. <laughs> but specifically, <laughs> this is where Buddhism comes in. <laughs> it means you actually, oh, that's the, yeah, yeah, I get that. That sounds good. Yeah, right. It is nice, simple, and it's true. But the difficulty is, is that, uh, you know, there is powerful, I know it's uh, latent tendencies that well up, and suddenly, whoa, you know, we're in it. And so, actually now, how do we find home from there, you know? And this is where the whole sense of path comes in, where you, Okay, this is one that you meet with encouragement. This is one where you meet with patience. This is one you meet by investigating it. This is one you meet by just pushing it down. This is the one you meet with counteracting it, you know. It's aversion, metta, or something like that. You know, this is the one you meet, you just go and see your friend and say, help. <laughs> Listen to me, you know. So you just get some sense of another human being, a, Mm-hmm. 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 
And sometimes just that sense of actually feeling a steadiness there from another person without necessarily what they say, just a sense of steadiness. You, oh yeah, right. I and mean, you feel yourself steadying up and you come out of the out of the trance. It's rather like that. Because it's as simple as that. It's just like you, you come out of the, the nightmare, the trance, just because you've got something else that you can feel and focus on that helps you to stabilise. So these are the specifics and it's this is where you, you get the really, you know, the, your teaching, yeah? You know, I can only give general teachings or lay out the tools, but the you know, specifics is the real personal challenge. Where your patterning gets you is what you need to know. And then there is a tool for that, you know? Sometimes the mind needs to be encouraged, calmed, resisted, you know, held back waited upon, investigated, inquired into, you know, and you just keep checking these things out. And then you, the, the material is really the, the, the latent tendencies, the, the, you might say, the karma, if you like, karmic tendencies, which capture intent, which means that for that time, your sense of, of do it and, be, and intentionality gets, gets captured in this stuff. So you get the restlessness, it's kind of running, or the tension is running, or the, the craving is running, it's running, you know, it's got all this volitional push in it, and it starts to run, it starts to create a world around you of, of things to love and things to hate, things to get to and things to get away from, and things that you are and things that you're not, and the whole thing presents a huge um, theatre, as we all sure recognize and it's incredibly real what makes it real because it feels the feeling makes it real and the and particularly when it's repeated the patterning and the feeling so this is why patterning feeling and perception are really important to to get to understand not just intellectually but to really get a handle on you know, learn how to encourage them, learn how to resist them, learn how to check them, learn how to restrain them, learn how to turn them in other directions. You know, so you, the more you handle this stuff, the more you get the sense of, you know, you're, you're independent from it, but you're not something else, if you see what I mean. You don't have an idea of who you are, you don't have another perception. You just know the handling of that perception is where I'm confident. But who's that? You can't, you can't say that. You can't put a perception there. Because this is the place where perceptions and feelings stop. They can't get there. That's why it's a refuge. The refuge comes not from not having any perceptions and feelings, but from actually handling them. That's where you, you, you sense it. And it's to really encourage it, because... I mean, probably, what we'd like to just have nice, calm, docile little perceptions and feelings that are well-trained and tamed, trotted in and out and said hello politely and said goodbye. But they're not. Some big, hairy monsters come leaping in and, and trample all over you. <laughs> Any moment of the day or night.
But this is where you, you get the skills. Sometimes it's just refuge, isn't it? Remember, Sister Upalo has, a, has schizophrenic attacks. It's got a mind invaded by demonic forces, all kinds of really very frightening alien extraterrestrials invading a body. I mean, it's frightening stuff, isn't it? It's funny when it's not happening to you. <laughs> it's actually terrifying. They were, they were real, as real as anything else is, when, you know, as a feeling and a perception. And that's what we call real. And then the, the nuns would just say to her, take the refuges. Managed to sort of come out of it. Sometimes a little bit of coaxing or human company, just that, like, you know, a sense of, you know, don't follow that. Of course, some perceptions are not that weird or wacky, they're kind of sly used car salesman perceptions. So, oh, hello, I'm your friend. Oh, let's just let's go this way. Why don't we come over here for a little while? <laughs> you know, ones that creep up on you, kind of sidle along, and you know, some of them look like Buddhas. Some of them sound like Dhamma. You know, some of them sound like perfect monasteries. One of the most uh, dreadful perceptions going. All kinds of people go up the creek on that one. <laughs> Perfect place for practice is a, is a joke, isn't it? <laughs> but you, you know, you, you, if it's a perception, it's not a good place <laughs> for, for practice. Apart from know, know how to resist it, how to check it, how to investigate it, how to calm it, how to, you know, how to work with it, then it's okay. But, the best place is not perception. We really don't do ourselves any favours if we um, don't uh, meet this stuff. I remember, uh, as I was telling the monks the other day, when uh, Tanajan Mahabur visited uh, Wat Panana Chat some years ago, and uh, he said to the abbot, Ajahn Jayasara at the time, he said, Oh, hmm, haven't got any forest chickens here. Forest chickens, these kind of birds, of what, Ajahn Mahabur's monastery is riddled with for, forest chickens. They're clucking and clucking all the time, clucking and making noise. So the place sounds like a chicken farm. Incredible. And the, the, and the you know, it's kind of sound of all these birds. And, this is, and so he said to her, you haven't got any chickens here. They were waiting for this great master, the uh, reputed Arahant, to come up with some kind of wise, profound saying. All he said was, 
we haven't got any chickens here. <laughs> so Ajahn Jaya sort of said, well, uh, no, we, um, yeah, we find them a bit noisy. And Ajahn Mahal went, at this moment, he said, oh, noisy. <laughs> and laughed. Because <laughs> he thought it was funny that uh, your mind could be turned over by a forest chicken. <laughs> You, you know, your samadhi is so weak, your concentration, your determination is so weak, you, even a little forest chicken can throw you around. <laughs> so you thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> Another famous Ajahn, Ajahn, Ajahn Dan, I think, who had this um, monastery in Sakunakorn, where the elephant, the elephant festival, Lumpodun, was it? Sorry, Lumpodun. Huh? Surin. Surin, okay. Elephant, yeah, I nearly got it right, didn't I? Far from the name of the place. <laughs> it doesn't really matter anyway, you don't know. You don't know what I'm talking about. The main thing was, that, you know, not just forest chickens, they've got an elephant, elephant festival. Well, you know, if you think of forest chicken, imagine what an elephant sounds like. And these, so the monastery is right next to this place, this town, it's kind of elephants tromping and honking and you know, they're not particularly quiet little creatures, elephants. And the monks are going, oh, you know, God, sell these elephants, I can't meditate. And he said, mm-hmm. These are these kind of great reputed arahants living in these, these noisy places. And he said, oh, well, just leave it alone. <laughs> Don't bother with it. So sound's just doing its duty. Duty of sound is to make sound. That's not your duty. Your duty is to meditate. So just let the sound do its duty. You do your duty. <laughs> yeah. So what is, you know, sounds simple, doesn't it? But the... Uh, you know, the perceptions of the feelings and perceptions that come up because, because we're so used to, to um, you know, this habit of the mind to trawl the sensory world and generate perceptions and feelings out of it. Mind consciousness, manovijnana, throws a net. <coughs> Net, throws a net. What sounds are worth listening to? What sights? What tastes? What touches? Which can throws the net? What ideas? What thoughts? What moods? What feelings? What emotions? Trawl throws throws the net. When it catches up, it's called perception and feeling. You can't actually put a sound in your mind, but you put the perception of it and the feeling of it. Yeah, the impression it creates, that the pleasantness or the the what we name it as. Yeah, don't put the sound, the sound goes in your ear, but the name of the sound, as as elephant, trumpeting, yeah, the impressions it creates, all that, that's that's the mind. That's the mind. So the mind picks up these things. Yeah. Why does it do that? 
Because it's always this, this mano, this mind's mano vijnana, mind consciousness, is something like any other sense base. It's always, it feels kind of separate from everything. Yeah, you know, so from a level of our mind, you know, what our consciousness does, well, I'm here, you're there, that's what the eye consciousness does, visual consciousness. So, it always sees a world, senses a world of comings and goings and separation. And there's a kind of, well, where am I? What have I got? What, what, what can I have? It's always caught up in that particular pattern of seeking something to have and always never quite getting it. or never Because everything it has, it comes and goes. So it's kind of restless trying to bond into something. So we're always, the mind is always trawling for something to, to bond to because it feels incomplete, you know, it's its habit. Then you've got the stuff of the mind, the dhatu, Manavinyana dhatu or chitta for short, which is like a kind of a the medium, you know, is what the kind of substance, if you like, of mind, which is the perceptions and feelings. You know? And the problem with that is it's always affected by everything. So, you know, when you, when you meditate, you say, well, here I am looking into my mind. What's doing that? What, what's happening is your, your mano, your, your sense organ of the mind, the kind of focusing thing, is looking into the chitta, the, which is the, the stuff of your mind. So it's like you say, how can your mind look at your mind? Well, it's, it's kind of like the organ of the mind looks into the substance or the stuff of it. You might say it's rather like going to an optician's and looking at the looking at the letters on the board in order to see your vision. Yeah. That's how you see your vision. You see it by oh the vision is like that now. It's fuzzy, it's clear, it's bright, it's sharp. So when we, we meditate we, we look into this this strange world of perception and feeling the mind, the chitta. Yeah. And the same thing is going on, like, what's the good stuff in here? What's the, you know? And what do we find? Well, the stuff of it is perception and feeling. So as long as we're looking for some stuff in our mind, what we, all we can come up with is perceptions and feelings, which are in constant changing, unsatisfying. You can't find anything else there apart from that. So one throws the net time and time and time again to refined, subtler, sweeter, more long-lasting, more peaceful ones. Throw the net again and, you know, Then when you uh, develop meditator, actually gets quite pleased with their net. Say, look what a good net I got. You know, I can get this and that in it. Great stuff. All this is this is this is consciousness. The net. You know, consciousness can be very bright, um, wide spanning, very fine mesh on it. You can pick up all kinds of refined stuff with it, rather than just 
coarse old lumpy stuff. So you can refine it right down. You can get very skilled at throwing it this way and that way, to this sphere and that sphere. But it's still basically the same setup, you know. Something's throwing the net. And the aim of it is to of the practice is to stop throwing the net and let the net dissolve the stickiness of it, the fascination of it. And that's what, you see, it's the stopping, yeah, slowing down and stopping. You recognize there's another uh, potential in mind apart from perception and feeling, and that is the center, peace, stillness, presence. And when you touch that, or as it happens occasionally, we, you know, we flop, we stop throwing it either from a point of giving up, surrender, or we feel contented, you know, we can approach that from either a positive place or a, or a negative place, you know, you're just tired of it, so you just let go, or you feel contented and satisfied, so you let go. Yeah. And you find, oh yeah, well, <laughs> of course, you know, just be where you are, isn't it? <laughs> like it says on the tape. <laughs> And you know, well, you've always been here. Uh, you always will be here. There's nowhere else you'll go. And that, that's the, that's the, uh, I say, the centre of that. So you, you can kind of keep coming to that, then you get so that the perceptions and the feelings are like um, tests. See whether you can hold it or not. See whether it sticks or not. See how much stickiness is left in your net. Some bits of stickiness is worn out on. There's a little bit of glue on this area. So it is a path of a kind of uh, called nibinda, uh, losing fascination, losing illusion, losing the sense of sticking to, not wanting to stick. So that's where you find, um, this may not sound like a tremendously winning formula for life, <laughs> weariness, <laughs> but it, it you know, you can only you can only define it in terms. You define it in terms of objects. It's like not being engaged or interested in terms of objects. But in terms of dhamma, it's a sense of incredible stability and peacefulness and presence. In which you know, when you don't have to have a particular thing going with stuff, then it's fine. You know, you can be with this and that. You can move around. You can touch this. You can go there. You know, it's it's it doesn't. It's not um, kind of you know, an ideology so much as a way of actually functioning much more clearly. So that even when you're doing things, you're not really doing anything. 
it's just your mind's doing something, or your fingers are doing something, or your, but you're not really doing anything, because you, you're not concerned whether you win or lose, succeed or fail, you're not seeking anything out of it, therefore that center isn't doing anything. So we find that, or you remember that, where is it? Are there any signs to that? You could say it's the, the place before the I sense happens. You know, the sense of me, the sense of I am happens. So things that go on, and then there's a take, and a, and a shiver, and a resonance, and then I... I don't, I, want, I don't want, I think, I don't think, I think maybe it could be, oh, before that, and when you're in that, in that stuff, in the I want, I don't want, I think, I can't think, or maybe it should be this way, I'm really in a mess, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm getting somewhere, I'm nowhere, yeah. then perhaps the, it's kind of like, isn't it actually just, not I'm in anything, but here's the agitation, or here's the fear, or here's the worry, or here's the thrill or the excitement. There isn't really an I in it. The I always appears a little bit after, a moment after any perception and feeling happens. And then it's the sticking to it causes the lingering the lingering and the sticking, and then a sense of self crystallizes around that. And contemplate it. Actually, just even in ordinary state, things are just happening, aren't they? There's senses, feelings, warmth, cold. Things just actually are happening. And it's the moment when something's happening, it's registered, focused upon, agreed with or disagreed with, that's where the the I am happens, isn't it? There's a way in which we could just, you know, give up that habit. takes a lot of um, determination actually, just a, a thing like that, because it's, it's so habitual to form a pattern, to go into a pattern to create a self out of it. So, you know, we use the, the tools, you know, samadhi, a sense of giving you some center, some ballast, some sense of firmness, you know, metta, the ability to, re- to not shift into fear, Hatred, aversion, distaste, yeah. calming the mind, inquiry, investigating. To just uh, to unhook these uh, places where we get caught, where the catching happens and the I am happens after it. Isn't it like that? 
So when it's caught, when there's the catching in the, you, you know how how heavy and dense it gets to feel. You know, it's like that mind substance becomes uh, jelly-like, and then jelly-like becomes pudding-like, pudding-like becomes bread-like, bread-like becomes rock-like. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it gets so dense in there, tense, doesn't it? Oh God, oh, give me out of that. You know, how did that happen? Because something caught. You caught something caught, and you started to solidify, and solidify, and solidify. And for a while, it was kind of fun, maybe you know, feeling a little bit me, a little bit, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have that, I am this, I'm not that. And we bought into it, you know? and then it started to get a bit heavier. And then eventually you feel victimized by the thing. <laughs> you know, the sense of innocence is lost, the sense of openness is lost. We close down onto perceptions, feelings, things, situations, people, opinions, futures, pasts. And then you can feel that kind of life suddenly shrinks to these, this narrowness and this heaviness. Not a, not a good place to be. But it could be light, it could be open. If you tackle the pull of perception, impressions, sanya, and feeling pleasant, painful, and you use these practices internally, the meditation externally, using the form of the refuges, the precepts, the resolutions we make, you know, holding to those, using, using form. You, know, you establish one set of forms and impressions to counteract the, the pulling of, of, of the sangsaric personal karma. That's what form does, monastic form does. It's not something you want to kind of make into a perception or feeling, like the perfect monastery or the best, you know, but it's something you use as an a, as a anchor. And it becomes a refuge and you can really value it for that. Anchors are not always that pretty, but they do anchor. Which is what you need when you're out in the out in the navy on the ocean waves, contemplating your, na- your naval base. <laughs> so anyway, you can just about run out on this one. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Amen. Um.